Buenos dias, amigas, goes, Josue Antonio, y John Adams, está presente. I don't know what you just said, uh, Tony, but first of all, I need to apologize for last Thursday's show. You weren't here. And I kind of stepped in with Matt and Brian and helped out. And this started out, I had an idea for, hey, let's let people talk about Tony Basilio. Yep. It started out in a good-natured way. Yep. Uh, people were just kind of, ha-ha, Tony, yeah, he tries to multitask a lot and blah, blah, blah. And then, but I just kind of thought it, took an ugly turn and people started piling on. I, I thought Brian was kind of harsh on you. Uh, maybe Titans Bill, too. But uh, so I just want to say, hey, I'm sorry. I wish I'd have done something different in hindsight. So I apologize. John Adams presented by our friends at Seniors Helping Seniors online at SeniorsHelpingSeniors.com. We have a compendium site to that. Seniors Ripping Seniors. Uh, he's been known to delve into that from time to time. Um, Matt Dixon, good morning to you, brother. How you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. Matt, when I was, because um, one week ago I was sitting on the boardwalk playing music. And uh, basically what I do is I take my guitar and my mandolin, and up there I had to go get a kind of a license, I guess you'd call that. <laughs> uh, they, they tax everything up there. And um, pay 50 bucks for the week to sit up on the boardwalk and play. And then, like at night, they have kind of street musicians that sit up there on the boardwalk and play, like we've seen at these beach towns. And, uh, you know, I just didn't do that because I wanted to hang out with my family. But I did play during the day. And, John, thanks for letting me, for letting me get away uh, for a day because, uh, you know, it's getting ready to get really busy around here. And, and here's my thing about the show. I had a bunch of people texting me, and they were like, um, are you listening to your show right now? And I said, I, just really silly question. Why on your off day would you listen to your show? John, when you go away and you're with your lovely wife and you guys do your bird watching thing that you love doing, your kind of world that you get in do you read the paper from back home and get it like all into what's going on at work do you john no i may check some things so i'm kind of always on the clock if anything happens i need to be aware of it right. but no i'm in a different world really i did my blog every day dutifully put my best foot forward talk to some people but if you think I'm going to sit there and listen to my show when I'm on vacation. That ain't happening. Here's what I knew, though, last Thursday. I knew the show was in great hands. I know that John has the ability to do anything he wants to do. I know he's an artist. Uh, I know he's an excellent columnist. I know he's a brilliant guy. I knew the show was in good hands. I knew I was going to get ripped. I knew John would take his list of grievances, twist it up into a little pretzel, you know, have his own Basilio Festivus, if you will, kind of an Italian holiday tradition. I knew that Brian Hartman wouldn't defend me in the least and would be a complete wet noodle. 
I knew Matt Dixon would cackle and laugh at it. Uh, and I knew the callers would call in, several of whom claimed to be my friend and pile on me when I'm not around and just turn it into a rip fest. How close am I, John, to, to what occurred? Well, and I didn't uh, go back and listen. I haven't gone back and listened, by the way. Okay. Well, there was some, there were some good things said too. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but uh, I just feel like there were some good things. Like Tony and, breathes, he gets up. You got to give him credit. He gets up during the day, or like my critics will say about me. Well, you know, he does kind of work hard. You know, he, well, he does those long post-game shows. I mean, that's that's not a compliment. That's just an observation. He does long post-game shows. Thanks. Appreciate that. I think, Brian, uh, no, it was Matt that mentioned you, about you. You fell asleep during one of those. Matt, that's nice. Thanks, Matt. I, I appreciate that, buddy. That Was that last Thursday during the rip job? Yeah, I can't remember how that came up. Yeah, interesting. It might have been from a caller. Interesting. Thanks, Matt. Did they pull oh, that okay. out of you, sorry, or Matt. was that pulled out remember. of you, or that was a great moment during the during the Prude era, John? It was probably no joke. Probably three thirty in the morning, and I did one of those head snap deals. And you know what woke me up? The caller dismounted. And it makes that really loud sound. It goes, and and it jarred me. I remember that. It jarred me awake. There's a video of that, right, Matt? Wasn't there in the old Periscope days? Wasn't there a video floating around of that? Me kind of nodding off because I had like the spit yo-yo yeah. coming out of my mouth. Yeah. For, for some reason, you had all the lights out, which I think probably contributed to the to the nodding off. John, when I was a non-studying student at UT that studied communications, there was a 24-hour study lounge. I don't know if it's still there, the library. Matt, do they still have the 24-hour? You can go in there 24 hours and study? Uh, you could when I was over there, but that's been like 10 years. I used to go in there with my brother-in-law. We'd watch the foreign students who really push themselves really hard. We'd be in there like, whatever, listening to music, hanging out, reading newspapers. I wasn't studying. I didn't mean to study. And we would watch these people, and literally we would take a little cash and bet money on which foreign student was going to fall asleep the next. And you'd watch those people, and they'd be over there going, and then they would get the head snaps, and I'd be like, uh, 9 o'clock, I got $3 on 9 o'clock. And he'd be like, um, I'll take the guy at 6 right behind me here. We would literally sit in the middle of the room and watch these people fall asleep. That was our entertainment because they were working so hard. And they were. I don't, I'm not trying to be politically incorrect here, but they were foreign students. I mean, I'm sorry. They were foreign. I didn't do it. Uh, I wasn't there when they were born. They're foreign students. And they would do this, look. And you'd watch them, and they would just kind of do that thing where they would do the head snap. And some guys would do the, you know, the eyes rolling back in their head. And that's a rough deal, man, when you're trying to stay awake. Which, if we don't get off this, that's going to be several of our listeners driving down the road. But, John, did you enjoy um, hosting the deal last week what did you think of hosting it? i mean you've done this down through the years at sports animal and stuff like that you've hosted a bunch of radio haven't you in your life i wouldn't say a bunch but yeah it was uh it was fun and i, I do want to say that 
uh, in defense, yeah. uh, Titan's bill was complimentary of you. He considered you a dear friend. Mm-hmm. Now, he was critical, but, it, you know, it was in a, hey, he's family and I love him, but kind of way. Brian, what was, um, or John, what was, you got a great memory for this stuff. Somebody says to me about yesterday's show, uh, a couple of Anthony's friends have called in. And he, said, and he said, Dad, what did so-and-so, I said, Anthony, I don't remember what I, I mean, I don't remember what day it is. How am I going to remember what happened on the show? Were there any, like, funny lines, John, anything good? Uh, that, like yesterday, a couple people called in and told stories. One guy, we were talking about sports pain and how this stuff can frustrate you. And a guy called in and said that he was working at Kmark back in the day, like when they saw it, at, you know, when Kmark was a thing. And he was uh, working in the electronics section, so he was watching this Tennessee game, whatever. And when the game... Um, after the Vols did something and they were going to lose, he went back into, his, into their break room and hit his hand so hard on his break room that his boss came around the corner to see what the commotion was. And his boss was like, man, you can't go back out there. And he goes, oh, man, the Vols lost and I got fired. And then and his boss said, no, it's not what I'm talking about. Look down at your hand. And his bone was sticking out. Uh. And see, that's the kind of stuff. That's why I tune into this. Because you never know what's going to happen on here. Like today at 1 o'clock, we're doing our Rebel Railroad Revisited segment that I've been wanting to do for two and a half weeks, where people are going to call in with memories of that. and Because you didn't believe it was a thing at first. And this place has a nutty, crazy history. I'd never heard of that. Yes. It sounds really. It sounds really amazing. I sent you a photo. Can you believe the? Can you believe that photo? Just how insane that looks. <laughs> the Yankees. Could you imagine being the kid on the? Uh, I mean, I could see W. Lynn right now just getting off, just taking absolute liberty on the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> what if? What if you? If they brought that back, how would that go over? So the Vols had a scrimmage yesterday, and I was talking to somebody last night. Going into the scrimmage, they decided the offense was going to win. Their their offensive lines, you know, been kind of rough. And they sort of scripted their scrimmage so that it would win, and they also decided they were going to put their best foot forward in the press and talk about how great their offense was. Like, that was all kind of pre-scripted. John, do you believe that? Do you, do you think that sort of thing goes on? Uh, among football staffs where they kind of decide how it's going to go, what's going to be said, how it's going to be spun during camp? Well, I think, remember, this is all about preparation for the season. And if they think one group needs motivation, if they're concerned about a group, sometimes they will uh, rig things. Invariably in scrimmages, this is how it normally goes in every preseason with football practice. you will have uh, the offense will look really good. One one scrimmage, uh, the coaches will deliver high praise. Uh, the defense is kind of down in the dumps, and then the next week, uh, the next scrimmage, the defense sticks out. Uh, the coaches are pleased with the way they bounce back and how resilient they were. That's that's just kind of how it goes. And Matt, you've covered a bunch of this early in camps, generally. As a rule, as a rule, Matt, early in camps, offenses are ahead of, I mean, defenses are ahead of offenses at this time of the year because offense is kind of a timing thing and 
Defenses generally run ahead of offenses this time of the year, Matt, as a rule. Yes, although I I think that has kind of changed a little bit in recent years with all the the seven on seven stuff that teams yeah. do in the off season. But yeah, generally the defense is going to be ahead of, ahead of the offense, and you know. But but it, you bring up a good point that how how coaches can kind of script things, yeah. So scrimmages and practices go a certain way to kind of motive you know for a motivation for their team or, or for certain players even. Um, I, I do think that is an interesting uh, angle of this that really doesn't get talked about it enough. Well, they're not they're not real big fans of the narrative that their offensive line with the maze injury has not performed well. And Hypo wants to change the narrative. Unfortunately, you can change a narrative. You can't change reality, which is sort of where we are. Um, and, and we'll see. You know, like when the season starts, they just need to get him back, and they need to stay healthy. Those are two things that need to happen. And, you know, um, if they're going to be what they're going to be, see, their offensive line last year was so good, you need to think about it. That's how well they performed, John. They were so good last year. You didn't give it a second thought. The only time maybe you gave it a second thought is when you played Georgia and they could blow up what you were doing. But the but the truth is, Georgia could do that to anybody in front of them. In the national championship game, they demolished their opponent. Demolished. Yeah, I think uh, I go back to two years ago, Heupel's first season. That was not a great offensive line. And Tennessee averaged 39-point-something points per game. Uh, I just have tremendous confidence in his ability to scheme around whatever deficiencies he might have in the offensive line. And I I don't know how good this offensive line will be or how bad it will be, but I, I look forward. That's something I look forward to seeing, seeing in action is how it performs. I would be really surprised if this offense didn't come out rolling, uh, despite whatever uh, shortcomings it might have at some positions. I don't think there are a lot of them. I think it has good wide receivers, good running backs. I think it has a good quarterback. 865-200-5402. Yeah, I just think this guy is so far ahead of the game, they're going to score points. just a matter of, can you score enough, be efficient enough against the really good teams to win those coin flip games? Which, you know, in this league, that determines who's really good from who goes to a bowl game. Because Tennessee, their, their floor is they're going to go to a bowl game this year, obviously. That's the floor here. The ceiling, who knows? I'm open to anything for the ceiling. Uh, I still think it's going to be like a 9-3 and three type year. But hey, some of you listening think it's going to be eleven to one. I'm not going to argue with that. Ten and two. Um, Jerry Palm was on here. He thinks the balls are going to go ten and two. And if, if there was a twelve team playoff this year, they'd be right in the spot, fighting for a spot in it. John predicted in print uh, that this team will be uh, right there as well. We continue. I want to talk with a guy. Uh, Ryan Shumpert's going to join us regarding this camp. Some of the developments in the camp, um, what's happened in the secondary. He's got a real interesting piece there. They were hoping a couple of those guys would come in and take spots. 
and it hasn't happened, but it doesn't mean these guys aren't good players. Plus, they've had a few guys get dinged up here in the last little bit. We'll talk to him about that. It's all ahead on a Thursday. John Adams presented by Seniors Helping Seniors as we continue after this. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job to fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. 
Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quick Mart Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across southern middle Tennessee and north Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. Farmer Johnny here, Taylor Family Farm. I want to give you all a little look-see. We raise 100% non-GMO, grass-fed beef, pasture chicken, and pork on our family farm. Everything that we grow is raised with love and care to ensure the highest quality and nutrition for our family and customers. You can shop online at taylorfamilyfarmtn.com or visit our farm store in person at Etheridge, Tennessee at 301 Dave Reisner Road. That's taylorfamilyfarmtn.com for more information. This is Delk Kennedy, owner of Kennedy Broadcasting Company, operator of WKRM, historically 1340 AM, now 103.7 FM, and WKOM, 101.7 FM. We call ourselves Front Porch Radio, and I've said many times what that means. It means that we are working to connect this southern Middle Tennessee community, one listener, one relationship at a time. And let me elaborate on what that means. In this community, we will relentlessly promote jobs, commerce, business, industry, education, arts, green space, music, rivers, the great outdoors, healthcare, churches, charities, sports, and all the great people of Southern Middle Tennessee. Join us, help us, call us. Front Porch Radio, Delk Kennedy, thank you for listening. Kings featuring Torino Baliardo return to Nashville with a concert that will take you on a trip down memory lane. The Gypsy Kings will be performing their greatest hits November 4th at TPAC Andrew Jackson Hall. For you to dance and enjoy an unforgettable night. Tickets on sale through ToninoBaliardo.com. A loud and live production. This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM, Columbia. Tony B. back with you. My headset's falling apart over here in real time. That sound you hear is me making a repair. Uh, and I was talking with the great Ryan Shumpert. We're breaking it down scientifically. He's at RocketTopInsider.com. And I appreciate the great work that he does. Each and every day, John Adams is in the hunt and in the mix with us on this Thursday, presented by our friends at Seniors Helping Seniors. I had a little bit of dead air there. Don't try this at home, boys and girls. And Ryan, how we doing, my friend? I'm doing well. It's a classic kind of mid-August where football camp is kind of winding down and uh, the glitz and glamour of the first week of practice is gone and uh, kind of just grinding through this month trying to get the kickoff but closer and closer we get and uh, I'm doing pretty well now that I, I know Traylon Burke's injury isn't too serious that had me down a little bit yesterday well and 
away from that for a second, um, you talk about injuries. Tennessee, and you wrote a piece, they've been pretty untouched uh, thus far. In fact, um, they this camp has been pretty quiet from that standpoint, but they do have some nicks right now. They do, and obviously Cooper Mays is the big one, uh, and certainly I think that has, expedited a concern on this Tennessee roster is just who's going to be the backup center. I wrote about it back in, in late July, you know, the five most important pieces on Tennessee's offense, and I had Cooper Mays on that list. And it's not because we don't know what Cooper Mays can do. It's that we don't know how healthy he can stay. And with Jerome Carvin, who was a fantastic kind of security blanket behind him the last two years with his ability to slide over from left guard and play center and gone, it's kind of like what's there for Tennessee. So, that's kind of expedited the process of trying to figure out who's going to step in from behind him. But after that, you know, nothing too serious. Wesley Walker, Tamara McDonald, a couple defensive backs have been limited in practice. Same with the receivers. And then obviously a couple freshmen that Josh Heupel announced yesterday will be out for at least a couple months, if not the entirety of the season. But uh, overall, I think Tennessee kind of has to count their blessings right now and with how healthy they have stayed here through two and a half weeks of camp. You wrote a really interesting piece about the DBs that I kind of wanted to drill down on. I, I was talking with one of my sources, you know, and nobody's allowed to see all this stuff, so you have to take everybody's word for it, which is sort of the um, part of, uh, you know, that you have to deal with trying to cover this that we didn't have to back in the day. Uh, John will tell you about a time where we could watch just about every practice, all the snaps, and you could draw conclusions for yourself, even though you really didn't know what you were looking at, but it helped to be there. Um, what I hear is they don't feel like they've got whiffs on defense in terms of this class. They feel like they've done pretty well. They were hoping that a couple of the young guys would jump in there and maybe grab jobs uh, early on from the veterans in the secondary. It doesn't look like that's going to happen on the front end of the schedule. and But they feel pretty good about what they have. Does that line up with uh, what you're hearing? It does, and really the vibe I've gotten is that to start the season, I think a linebacker, obviously Arian Carter's big freshman name, and Elijah Herring is a sophomore too. I think the young guys are going to get a lot of reps early. Uh, obviously, they're not going to start, but I think you'll see them playing 30, 40 snaps from the jump of the season. Defensive back, I really haven't gotten that vibe. And the returns have all been good about those young guys. But it just feels like in kind of a Willie Martinez staple, they're going to lean on their depth, lean on their experience early in the season. And we'll see if those guys have made improvements from last season. Uh, obviously, that move will will pay off. And if not, I think that's where you could see in the middle of the year, getting to October, uh, you get into November, you start seeing Jordan Matthews and Ricky Gibson start to get some opportunities because uh, it's kind of like what we saw last year. Tennessee yeah. played seven, eight corners at the yeah. two spots over the course of the season. There wasn't any difference in them for the most part. You know, it wasn't a bad thing when those guys got injured. It was just on to the next guy who was going to play probably at a below average level. So if that happens again, uh, I think those young freshman corners will get their opportunities. Uh, but I don't expect to see a ton of them early on in the season. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really interesting point you bring up when you're, when you're performing at kind of a below average level, like, in baseball, we call those folks, and you don't want to rip anybody, but, you know, replacement-level players is kind of the term it's used yep. in baseball. And that sort of describes what Tennessee has in their secondary. John, I want to jump you in here because, as we visit Ryan Shumpert, uh, RockyTopInsider.com, the thing I can't figure out about modern football, and I can't get my brain around it, is nobody can play defense anymore. Like, you watch these defenses. We were talking about Georgia before. They're an exception 
most of these teams are going to go out and give up mega yards. Most of these teams are going to go out in their secondary and look unorganized, disorganized. People get behind people now. I mean, it's the way the rules of the game are. It's the way the game's set up, John. So I really don't even know what I'm looking at anymore when it comes to defense. Do you feel my pain there? Oh, yeah. We used to look at stats and, and how the yardage has changed now. If you hold somebody under 400 yards, you had a pretty good day. It, every rule that has been uh, passed has had has favored the offense, not just in college football, but in the NFL yeah, too. That's right. It's all about offense. It's really hard to it's really hard to pitch a shutout. Uh, it happens sometimes, but uh, it's just completely different. So you have to look at numbers totally different now. Uh, go back to Tennessee's most recent game in the Orange Bowl. That was considered a terrific defensive game for Tennessee. It held Clemson with a freshman quarterback to 14 points. Clemson piled up the yardage. Piled them up. Just piled them up. But that's considered a great – it's pretty much – it's almost as though everybody's playing a bend-but-don't-break defense. Even if they're playing very aggressively – the key is now there's so much emphasis put on forcing turnovers. And I think that has a negative impact on tackling. You see guys, one guy comes in, makes contact, gets a grip on somebody else, comes in, tries to knock the ball loose. It's very commonplace because defenses don't feel as though they can absolutely stonewall an offense now. They need to force turnovers. So that's the... That would be, when I look at Tennessee's defense, as bad as it was at times last year, it also had some good games. And going into this season, a goal would be, to me, uh, force more turnovers, get those takeaways. Matt, one of your themes, and I want to ask Ryan about that, the concept of forcing more turnovers. Matt, one of your pet peeves is the way people cherry-pick those stats about last year's defense. And those numbers, those uh, pass numbers. What what what's your? Uh, you've said that a couple times this past off season. You think it's kind of a lazy narrative? Well, just the I think they were 127th out of 131 in in passing yards allowed per game, and they were almost always ahead. And they, I think, their opponents had the most attempts throwing of of any of any team. So. You know, like on a, on a per like per attempt basis, they were kind of middle of the pack. Um, they didn't give up a ton of big plays, which that they you know they did keep things in front of them. Not that the secondary was good by any means, but they weren't as bad as the numbers. And then you factor in just the lack of a pass rush, and it just kind of you know it just snowballed from there. Um, but they actually were really good situationally last year. I think they were top 25 in turnovers fours mm-hmm. they were pretty decent in the red zone and on third down like they they were actually and then they were really good against the run but they were really good situationally and that's what you have to be kind of like john was saying um it, it it's all about red zone and turnovers nowadays hey ryan Chumpert, you got to force field goals you of rti and tennessee did that yeah they were they were pretty successful there do they have enough this year to create pressure with that front seven, and do you think they will? I think that's an even bigger question than almost the secondary because Matt nails it on the head. They, they couldn't get home before no. against anybody they played besides LSU and Kentucky, 
and that was because Byron Young could just overwhelm, I think, what was a backup left tackle uh, at LSU, and then obviously Kentucky's offensive line was horrible. And those were the two games Tennessee's defense was really, really good in. I guess you'd add the Clemson game on there, too. Uh, that was more about the situational football and holding Clemson to field goals. You know, I, I personally think Byron Young's uh, departure to the NFL won't be as big as a loss as you might think because of kind of what I just said. He overwhelmed some teams with his speed and athleticism. He was kind of a non-factor in a lot of those games. Interesting. And it, it's kind of uh, the defense as a whole, the big question, we were just kind of talking about it with the, the linebackers and the defensive backs. There's a lot of young talent. Are those young players ready to make a big step and play at a high level in the SEC this year? And I think that's the question of that rusher. You have Josh Josephs, who looks really good, has had a good fall camp. James Pierce, I know, had a good scrimmage yesterday. Uh, both of those guys will probably be behind Roman Harrison at the Leo spot. Um, but I think if you're talking about Tennessee making a real jump, you hope Roman Harrison's better. But it's one of those guys, probably Josephs, uh, that could really make a big difference. I- I'm still a little skeptical. It's kind of my general thought with the defense as a whole. I feel like it's probably a year away from being really good. Um, but I don't necessarily think with Young Gone will take a step back. I could see them being moderately approved, uh, being able to get home with four, but I have a hard time thinking it's going to be you know night and day from where it was last year. I wonder. I wonder if they take these um, this new and improved linebacking core and turn it loose a little bit. Why not? Why don't Why don't you gamble a little bit? Well, Herring last year, I mean, that was kind of his package. He would come in for third down pass rushing and. Certainly Aaron Beasley, that hasn't been what he's known for, but the last time we watched him play, I, I can't remember, maybe he played in the orange white game, yeah. but that doesn't really matter. And it was Clemson, he had three sacks. So you have two linebackers you feel confident are going to play a lot uh, that have some experience uh, in Herring's case, and then Beasley obviously he showed it on the field in a big game. So, uh, you know, Tennessee talks a lot about wanting to be aggressive defensively. I don't think you really see it as much with how they play in the secondary. It is kind of a bend-don't-break. But I think you'll probably continue to see it uh, with the way they blitz their linebackers. Breaking it down scientifically, Ryan Schumper joining us, RockyTopInsider.com, looking at what's going on, gone on in camp uh, thus far. You know, I was talking about the secondary before. Um, man, I just keep hearing great things about those linebackers. We were talking about Arian Carter a second ago. You know, one of the great fun things about college football is seeing those new players. And he's a guy that's going to jump, if what we're hearing is true, he's a guy that's going to jump off the page at people. And some are saying, I mean, some are saying Al Wilson in the same breath with him. Two running backs, in-state guys, has a great motor. I hate to put that on a young guy. That's kind of an absurd thing to do. But Tennessee won a fierce recruiting battle with Alabama for him. Alabama desperately wanted him. And apparently he's just like one of those classic Alabama linebackers down through the years under Nick Saban. Of, uh, uh, just like a, like a great football player. I can't wait to see him. He's super exciting to watch. And I think he and Davey and Hobbs, I think, are the two most impressive recruiting wins of the Josh Heifel era when you talk about defensive side of the ball and who they went up against the land. And you're right. He looks like an Alabama linebacker. I remember one of the first days out at practice. You're out there and, you know, Elijah Herring, as I mentioned, is a guy I've been high on. See him. He looks good. And then all of a sudden, Arian Carter comes and stands beside him, and it's like, oh, my gosh, this guy is not a freshman. He looks like a junior at Alabama. Mm. And 
you have that physical talent, you have that stuff that jumps off the page at you, and then you start to hear some coaches rave about how he's grown mentally, uh, which I think goes a long way. And really, even more than that, some of Tennessee's players, the Colin Castle stands out, uh, basketball, you know, who stands out going up against them? And the transfer from UC Davis, first person he says is Arian Carter, and just uh, eyes light up and really raves about what he can do. So, uh, kind of like I said earlier, I think he's going to play a lot uh, at the start of the season, and I certainly wouldn't be surprised if by November, by the end of the year, he's past Keenan Peely and is starting alongside Aaron Beasley. It's pretty amazing. You know, and I was uh, visiting with somebody last night. We were talking about that backup, that, that whole backup offensive line situation. And, and the, the picture I keep getting is that it's pretty dire. Like the kid from Texas, the transfer, uh, they had high hopes for him. Right now they're just hoping that he can progress to the point where they can kind of use him. And Addison Nichols, they're a little surprised by his uh, lack of uh, lack of getting it thus far. How much of a concern is that from your perspective? Uh, I think it's a concern, and it's something we knew was a concern because you start looking at what the offensive line is going to look like past this year, and it's, no it's kind of glaring and startling. So you knew that the depth was worrisome. Uh, I think the depth in the interior being a little bit more of a concern has been some of a surprise. And I think Addison Nichols is a big part of that. I, yeah. I fully expected him coming into fall camp to compete for that starting left right. guard job and at the very least lock up the backup center job behind Cooper Mays. And uh, it doesn't feel like he's certainly not the lead to be the starting left guard. And Ollie Lane has slid over to center with Mays out and then Carriage from Texas has kind of filled his spot. And I don't know if I'd call him an afterthought. Uh, but it doesn't seem like he's knocking on the door of playing. And, look, it's just a redshirt freshman. There's plenty of time left in his career. Uh, but I would say he's kind of been, and his development has been one of the more disappointing parts, of, from what we can tell, at least in fall practice. Well, and to your point, when you look at that roster next year and you project ahead, and they don't, you don't want this to be the case, but it looks to me like they're really going to have to get into the transfer portal based on the way things look in camp right now. not going to be relying at offensive tackle to go consistently get help in the transfer portal. Uh, I just have a hard time thinking they're not going to have to do that. I mean, they had to do it this year with John Campbell. I agree. And certainly they've they've won a couple battles in the recruiting trail this year. That's why I've said Bennett Warren I, I thought was about the most important remaining guy in Tennessee's 24 class because of that, because they've whiffed on so many offensive tackles the last two years. Mm. And certainly Glenn Ellerby has done a really good job from a developmental standpoint. Uh, Tennessee, and I think his history of Josh Heifel keeps him from being on any sort of hot seat. But I think he's going to really have to earn uh, his paychecks in the sense of developing guys and getting guys in the portal because Tennessee is not set up at a very good spot from a tackle depth standpoint uh, as it goes on here in the next few years. John, does the offensive line talk kind of concern you, scare you regarding uh, your projection of a New Year's Six Bowl game uh, with this uh, group? Uh, I don't get scared that easily, Tony. So uh, that's that's not really a factor. I, I think it is concern, but it would be a bigger concern to me if this were a Jeremy Pruitt team or a Butch Jones team or a Derek Dooley team. Yeah. Um, and I see this, uh, and not just at Tennessee, but I, I go back to last year. To me, South Carolina is a good example. I watched some of South Carolina early in the year. And Spencer Rattler, every game, it was just uh, survival. 
Will he make it? The, the, the offensive line was porous. Uh, by the end of the year, it was playing better. Uh, and South Carolina had some big games. I just think in today's college football, particularly when you have a coach like Josh Heupel, you can work around offensive lines that aren't as competent as you would like them to be. I think, though, depth is an issue, uh, and Cooper Mays is certainly something you have to look about. I think center is so important in this offense because everything is accelerated in this offense. Everything. It's not just a matter you got to get up to the line as fast as you can. That's your advantage over the defense. Get up to the line as fast as you can. Make the the blocking calls as fast as you can. And now the defense is trying to catch up. If Tennessee can't do that at a fast pace, it obviously is a negative factor. Uh, so, but I, you brought up something else, so I think it's really important. Ryan mentioned it as well: the transfer portal. Tennessee hasn't done as good a job as I thought it could have in the transfer portal the last couple of years. When I look at what Brian Kelly did at LSU, when I look at what Lane Kiffin has done, I'm not saying you you forget about your high school recruits, but there are position fixes that sometimes need to be made. Brian Kelly revamped his secondary last year through transfers. What if Tennessee had gotten those same transfers? I think it could have made a world of difference in some of the games, uh, those two games where Tennessee fared so poorly. And the games it won against Alabama and Florida when it's, when it's secondary was just easy pickings all game long. What do you think, Ryan, about that observation in terms of um, could be better in the portal? Yes, I would agree with it, and it's especially – Stands out. They just haven't been all that aggressive in the portal. Not that they just sat on their hands. So I don't think that would be fair to say either. But from a team that you're talking about a lot of depth shortages the last two years, they just haven't been overly active. Sure, they've gone after guys, but and they've landed some guys too. But it just doesn't feel like it. it's been very selective. Uh, I guess is the way I would phrase it. it. Feels like they've had two or three targets at a couple positions of need. And, you know, if they land one of those three guys, they're happy with that, and they're not stretching necessarily much thinner to go look after other guys. So uh, that's something I've been surprised by, um, and, and certainly I think it's hurt them in some ways. I don't think it's been debilitating by any means, um, but I think it will continue to be something interesting to watch, especially just in the sheer quantity of bodies they look to bring in here, uh, especially on the offensive line, where I think is. The number one spot, they're going to have some depth concerns going forward in the next couple of years. Matt, does the O-line conversation have you a little stumped as well in terms of um, not only this season, but just kind of projecting ahead? Or are we being panicky here? Well, I, I think they're valid. You, you haven't recruited great there. You've done okay. But, it, you know, again, it's a developmental position, and that's what makes it hard to rely on the portal to do that. Um, there's only just a handful of really, really good, you know, high level, especially tackles in, in the portal each year. And it's, it's, you know, kind of a highest bidder deal. There's, I mean, but there's not a lot of them. So I do think it is concerning, um, because you, but I, to John's point that he mentioned a minute ago that you can scheme around some of this stuff, especially with the tempo, but, you got to have Cooper Mays to do that because there was a noticeable drop off in the tempo 
I don't think it was last year, but two years ago when Jerome Carvin slid into the play center when Cooper was hurt, that there were you know the tempo just wasn't as quick as it it it, it had been. So I do think that that's a concern. But no, just the overall offensive line, you just you don't have some high level SEC players up there right now. At least at least not a a group of them. One of the things I've noticed with transfers, now Tennessee has added offensive linemen from Texas for this year, added John Campbell from Miami. Uh, Last year, added Gerald Mincy from Florida. All from Power 5 programs, uh, winning programs. Uh, I look at some other offensive line transfers. I go back to Florida last year with Osiris, Osiris Torrance who came in and played great, and he was from Louisiana. Maybe this is too general a statement, but I, I kind of like the idea when you go out and you get a star player from a group of five conference. These guys have excelled at a level. Now, the question is, will they be able to excel in, at the SEC level? You yep. can't be sure. But Gerald Mincy really didn't excel at Florida. Mm-mm. No. And – and John Campbell, it wasn't. I don't think he was like an All ACC player no. at Miami, and the Texas guy wasn't a standout. So it's almost as though you already know who these players are. Whereas if you go get an Osiris Torrance, and Billy Napier coached him, so he's got insight. If you go get Osiris Torrance from University of Louisiana, you're thinking, I know this guy can play at the SEC level. I mean, he's a two-time All-Conference player. I really like looking at those those other conferences, even even the MAC conference. We've seen a Ole Miss have success there. Yep. I, I would lean in that direction if I I just don't see when you get a an average player from another Power Five school. Why do you think? Well, he'll be great in our system. Well, I was told by somebody in Tennessee's brain trust this past spring, and I repeated it on the air. One of the reasons why they weren't as active as we kind of thought they were going to be this last spring was that they determined that there were just a bunch of people's other problems in the portal, and they don't want to fool with it. But to your point, if you really mind that thing and you go down a level, right, you don't just stay among your peer 40 or 50 schools, but you go down and you really dig, there are ball players everywhere. I know that's an easy easy thing to say, but we've seen it. There, Florida had a kid a couple years ago, uh, right when the portal first started, who was from, I want to say like an Ivy school or one of those schools in the Northeast uh, that, that we hadn't heard of, and he was pretty freaking good. And so I think there are ball players all over the place. Well, I, I look at the uh, the BYU transfer at linebacker for yeah, Tennessee. right. Keenan Pilly, I, I think he would be a good player. I really like that acquisition. Yeah, he he's a you know not way down the food chain. He played played against some really good teams there at BYU. They historically are a physical team. You don't think of Mountain West teams or or an independent as BYU is now, but you don't think of those teams as that way. But they they're pretty physical. Uh, up front and, and can be pretty nasty. Uh, so I like him. He's been productive at a lower level. Another way to look at it, too, is when guys stand out, regardless of what the level of play is, 
when they stand out, it tells you something about maybe how motivated they are. About, yeah, these guys kind of rose to the top. You could sometimes say the same thing about coaches. Coaches that have won everywhere. Uh, Brian Kelly won at Central Michigan, then at Cincinnati, then at Notre Dame. So I, I, that's how I would look at it. I, I mean, I don't think you could live and die with a transfer, but when you have positions of weakness and uncertainty, that's the case with Tennessee, and it may not have helped us, but that's a valid point. You say that they just didn't see anybody that would help them in that area. Maybe, yeah. But maybe, as you also pointed out, maybe Tennessee was looking in the wrong places. Ryan, what do you think? It's an interesting conversation. Well, the, the, I'm blanking on his name. The offensive tackle from Rhode Island that they went after. That's right. Uh, back in December, I can't remember where he landed up uh, or ended up at, but he he landed at a big school, and I think Tennessee was got him on campus. Was one. You know, I really go back to Matt's point. I think is really good is that it's just hard to get quality offensive alignment in the portal. Do frequently is getting good big men into portal basketball. There aren't many good big men to enter the portal, and if they do, everybody wants them. So you're swimming in extremely deep waters to try to land those guys. Tennessee football is probably a little more equipped to land some top offensive tackle transfers, right. uh, whereas Tennessee basketball, they're not going to land a Hunter Dickinson. They're not going to be involved in the NIL uh, award that big schools like Kansas are winning. Um, but it, it's a good point, and it you know it makes it. It's easy for us to sit here and say, well, to fix the Tennessee's offensive tackle concerns and offensive line concerns going forward is just to hit it hard in the portal. Not a lot of big-time players in the portal, and there are even fewer sure things. So it's uh, going to be an issue going forward. The tempo, I do think, uh, makes it a less concern. But even it kind of goes back to what I'd say two years ago guess in 2021 season. Tennessee's offensive line was solid. It was good against the middle of the pack of the SEC. wasn't a, a big issue. But when you're going up, and in this year's case, you're going up against Alabama, you're the going up boys. against Georgia, you're going yeah. up against Texas A&M, those type of defensive lines, tempo is not going to be able to fix everything, and it's going to be hard to line up and run right at them with consistency. So. Especially when, and this is my thing when I start looking at this year and what to expect, because I do not want to overly inflate just to pump and be hype. And, you know, my concern is about this team, is when you start telling me that I've got an offensive line that's a little suspect, which is where we are. I'm not saying it's a five-alarm fire, but they're at the very least, they're suspect. And then I have a quarterback whose reputation through time has been that he holds the ball a millisecond too long, just a little bit too... You know that when you start playing better defenses, elite speed, like... You're not going to notice that against Virginia. They're okay. For their level, they're, they're okay defensively. They have no offense, but they're okay. You'll, you'll navigate against, and obviously in the 1AA game, when you go down to Florida and you don't have your line situation kind of quote-unquote fixed and you haven't had Mays all camp, and, but Matt's point is so, so well taken about him. When he's in the game, I mean, he's just so perfect for what they're doing. He's a perfect center for what they're doing. But the Florida deal, all of a sudden, because of those factors I just mentioned, kind of becomes concerning a little bit, Ryan. Even though I've got that penciled in as an easy win in my mind, the the other factors are telling me, hey, pump the brakes here. 
Well, what I have been comparing it to is the Pittsburgh game last year. Look, Pittsburgh, what, what, when won six, seven games? They were pretty terrible in the ACC last year. And Tennessee, it took everything. Just, it took the Keaton Slovis getting injured for Tennessee to be able to win that game. And while Tennessee, I think, is more talented than Florida and yeah. has a better team, it's your first real challenge of the season. It's on the road. It's the first real challenge for Joe Milton in his starting career at Tennessee. Uh, I guess the Orange Bowl would count that, too. But this game will be much more high-pressure than the Orange Bowl was for Tennessee. No doubt. Uh, so I think it's a real concern, and I think it's such an important game in Tennessee's season because on paper, even though it is a rivalry, even though it's in the road, it's, you know, it's easier than a handful of those swing games, the Kentucky, South Carolina, A&M. And all of a sudden, if Tennessee loses that game, Joe Milton plays poorly, which I think is what would have to happen for Tennessee to lose. Right. You have some real confidence concerns. And all of a sudden, Tennessee comes home and has three straight home games. But one of that next game being UTSA is a team that very easily could challenge Tennessee. And I could just see things getting really toxic and really negative really quickly. That doesn't mean you can't get uh, the train back on the rails, but it's a real cause for concern. And in a game with Florida, that even though Tennessee is better, you know, I would be surprised if that's not a game in the third quarter. Uh, it's going to be very, very high pressure, and it's going to put a lot on that offensive line. It's going to put a lot. Uh, on Joe Milton to be able to go out there and kind of really get Tennessee's season uh, started on the right on the right notch because uh, anything that's competitive against Virginia or Austin P would be probably be concerned to, to hit the panic button. Oh no and question! Doesn't yeah. seem like that. Hey, that's really going to happen. Go ahead, John. Hey Ryan. Uh, oh, go ahead, Brian. Ryan, uh, do you think that Heupel is going to spend some time because Virginia and Austin P won't demand too much attention? But do you think he's going to maybe not tell his players this, but spend some time working on Florida during preseason camp? Working on the Florida game? I think game? so. I think, I think so. I think even more than that, it's almost going to be treating those first two games like NFL preseason games. Obviously not to that dramatic of an ordeal, but no. I think you're going to play a lot of guys. All the, all the fall camp competitions I see continuing through two weeks into the season. Uh, and you're going to save what you have in the offensive playbook. You're not going to get too dramatic to get too fancy uh, you're going to stay very very vanilla in those two games and save everything really for the rest of the season but particularly that florida game so uh, i think you're right some game planning will probably start in fall camp i don't know how much of it will because again like you said i'm sure they won't want the players to have that in their mind that they're looking past the first two games uh but uh, again i think it's almost going to be an extension of fall camp in these first two games as tennessee tries to figure out who their starters are tries to figure out who their rotation is and really tries to find you know their new identity as a football team. Brian Schumpert, RockyTopInsider.com. Tremendous job by you. Great job on the site. Keep doing what you're doing um, and, and give folks the pitch if they haven't been over. And I appreciate you uh, joining us on the TLD Logistics Hotline online, TLDLogistics.com. Thanks for the kind words and for having me on, Tony. And, yeah. Everybody, go check us out at RockyTopInsider.com, at RockyTopInsider at all socials, Rick Butler, Jack Foster, and myself. we got a good team uh, charging along as we get closer and closer to football season. Any of uh, Given it is your show, Tony, I'm sure there are some basketball freaks out there listening, but uh, I had a good bit of content from uh, the team's uh, three-game exhibitions uh, over in Italy, so plenty of stuff on that. Uh, but obviously here as we roll into September, it's all on football. We'll have plenty of content wrapping up fall camp. And then uh, as we get into game weeks, plenty of stuff to get you ready for Virginia and season predictions as well. So check us out over.
Much love to you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Appreciate you having me on. Interesting discussion there. You know, he mentioned those offensive linemen, and the one thing that I thought about is when these guys get in the transfer portal in hoops, because they're slow to develop, too, like offensive linemen are. But you also get a sense pretty early who can play and who can't. Like, who can I develop, who can I? Although Wright got kind of, um, I don't want to say, John, he got sort of left for dead and then they revived his deal, but nobody thought he was going to be a first-round draft pick his second year on campus. Like, if you'd have told me that, I'd have said, you are, I don't know, huffing paint, using a hallucinogen of some kind, but, you know, think back to last year when Olivia Cumwell went into the uh, portal. Now, we reported early on that all those guys were told, no soup, no room at the end for you. Nobody believed it, but that ended up being the case. And Josiah Jordan-James had to come back as a walk-on. That's what occurred here. I've, I've never seen that, but that's what occurred. So it, it ended up our information was dead right on that. When Cumwell went into the portal, Matt, who were the, who were the schools that fought over him? And we were watching it going... This guy literally will play two games for you in 30 games. Like, you'll play 30 games, and he'll look like a great player for two games. Who were the teams? Do you guys remember? Is he like at Kansas right now? or am Arizona. I Where is he? Michigan and Arizona. Where is he right now? Arizona was after him, but Michigan got him. I mean, John, does that did that seem right to you that those two teams would be fighting? These are elite teams fighting over him? I just think coaches can become too enamored with a player on his best day. I think it's really important to look at the entire body of work. We saw him for the entire season. He had great games against great teams, and that's what coaches are looking at. It wasn't just that he had a great game. He had some really good games against really good opposition. And I think uh, you get dazzled by that. You think, well, in our system and all that kind of stuff, Man, look at the production and the body of work over the course of the season. He's not that. He's not who you think no. he is. He's half asleep. Uh, I mean, no offense to the guy, but he would go in and out. He was either, like, super-duper engaged, or if he was an offensive lineman, he's given up four sacks that next game. He could look like all-world, right, go out against Alabama and lock down Whomever, you, you give me a name, he would lock him down. Or the Carter kid against Georgia, he'd lock him down and then come back the next week against Ole Miss and get about five sacks because he just, you know, he didn't wake up that day. Well, I think that happens in recruiting and evaluating players overall. You look at what a guy can do at his best. Yep. Uh, consistency matters. I'd like to go back to something, uh, another point that came up. I really believe that. We're making Florida out to be something it isn't. Let's do that on the other side. I want to hear why okay. we're making Florida something. We're making them be something that they're not as we continue. And if you want to jump in, 865-200-5402. If you're joining us through the magic of Twitter spaces, as that uh, continues to grow, or uh, I guess it's XP, I don't even know what it is. I, I call it Twitter. I'm an OG. We're going to continue on the other side. John Adams presented by our friends at Seniors Helping Seniors. We continue. Ryan Schumpert, great stuff. Great conversation. More after this. This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. T-Willie, and you're listening to 101.7 FM, WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee. Alert, alert. 
Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram has a huge announcement. We're expanding our service center to get you in and out quicker than ever. That's right, five new service bays to get your vehicle back on the road. Don't drive a Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, or Ram. It doesn't matter. Our certified technicians are trained to work on all makes or models. More service, less time. Only at Columbia Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram. Family owned and operated. You can count on us. Hello, it's me, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. July reminds me of red, white, and blue. If you were born in July, your birthstone is the ruby. King of the precious stones for its rarity, hardness, second only to diamonds. We have a beautiful collection from earrings to rings, modern and antique. If you were born in July, we'll take 10% off your purchase. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. If your car was damaged in an auto accident, chances are you'd fix the car. Why wouldn't you give that same attention to yourself? Untreated whiplash injuries of the spinal column may lead to conditions such as headaches, numbness in the arms, neck and back pain. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating such injuries from an auto accident. Accident consultations are free. Call me painfree.com or call 615-551-9224. In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Barrett's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Barrett and Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. Hi, Jimmy here for Columbia Ace Hardware. Columbia Ace Hardware now carries Magnolia Home by Joanna Gaines Paint. Now their premium quality and huge selection of colors will be right in your neighborhood. Along with the award-winning service and advice, Columbia Ace has always provided for your paint projects. Around the block, what you need in stock, with people who know their paint. Columbia Ace, the helpful place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Do you have trees that need trimming or removed? Do you have stumps that you want ground? A1 Tree Removal is a family-owned and operated business local to Columbia and Lewisburg and servicing surrounding Middle Tennessee. They are licensed and insured and provide free estimates. No job is too big. No tree is too small. Give old Luke a call or text Luke at 931-359-3113. Or you can check them out on Facebook and tell A1 Tree Removal that you heard this ad on the radio. If you love America, you will love A1 Tree Removal. Automobile Keys is a local, family-owned and operated car key programming business. Whether you need a smart key, switchblade key, key fob, transponder key, or just a basic car key replacement, we're your best choice for affordable, programmable replacement keys in minutes. Give us a call at 615-878-9087 or visit our website at automobilekeys.com. You can email us at cody at automobilekeys.com. Automobile Keys is a proud sponsor of Whitthorn Middle School football. Come by our van out front after the game and say hello. Go Tigers! 
Ross. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. TB back with you. 865-200-5402. The people that join us through Twitter spaces, the rest of the world's jealous of them because they get the news, weather, the traffic, and the sports. As I welcome you back, John Adams, you snapped me to it here to the point where I've got mental acuity to burn thus far. And when we left, you said this Florida deal, uh, I think you guys are missing the boat on Florida. In a good way or a bad way, John? Well, I th- as I said, I think you're making Florida be out something more than it is. I, and, and it's easy to do that because of Florida's image. Uh, it, it's it's had some great highs through the years and was a dominant program in the 90s and again with Urban Meyer in the 2000s. But this Florida team is nothing like those. Other than running back, there's not a single position I can point to in a single unit that I think would be really good. Now, maybe the Gators will surprise me, but there's a lack of experience. It's an all-new defensive line. It's got one starter returning in the offensive line. I don't Ricky Pearsall is a pretty good receiver, but I don't see any game breakers in the receiving core. And Graham Mertz is your answer at quarterback. I mean, uh, Wisconsin came out ahead in that in that uh, transaction. It ended up with SMU's uh, quarterback. What's his name? Mordecai. Guys passed for about seventy seven thousand yards. Mm-hmm. I just don't – I see Florida as a team with – I see Florida as a losing team. It's gotten lucky with its opener because Utah's first two quarterbacks are hurt. But I, I just don't think Florida's anything like what you uh, – again, I think South Carolina is a scarier game for Tennessee, even though it's at Neyland Stadium, simply because it can throw the ball and it can exploit Tennessee's weaknesses – if Spencer Rattler, the quarterback, is, is has a good day, he has good and bad days, but when he's good, he's really good. I don't see that with Florida. They're going to try and line up and run the ball. That's going to be their strength with uh, 40 starters in the offensive line, and they will be running into the strength of Tennessee's defense, run defense, the front seven. Hey, it doesn't have the weapons to exploit Tennessee's uh, uh, shortcomings on defense, I don't think. And I just, I don't think its defense is that good. Matt Dixon, is John right? Is the worry misplaced? Is the worry historical here, or is the worry warranted? No, I, I think it's definitely more historical. Um, but And it is a game on the road. Uh, and, you know, what you, you cite this all the time, Tone, about how, how Napier is really good and as an underdog against the spread and, and he, you know, he wins a lot of those games outright and, yep. and covers the spread and, and, and almost all of them. So I don't know. I just think going on the road to the swamp, you haven't won there in 20 years. I, I think that that is a factor. Um, and you know, I mean, really the last time Tennessee went down there, granted, I think that was Hooker's first start at Tennessee, but that was really the last time that this offense kind of Right before this offense took off, I think it was the next week at Missouri. So, yeah. 
I, I think you, you do have to overcome that historical factor, even even though South Carolina, I do think, probably is a better team than, than Florida. And to John's point, what South Carolina does best uh, kind of takes advantage of Tennessee's weaknesses, whereas Florida can only win a game one way, and that's to limit possessions, control the clock, and be able to run the ball. Like They're, they're not going to win a shootout with anybody. Matt, well, do, you, do you think – If that game yeah. were in Neyland – what would we be saying if that game were with Neyland this year? But it's not, Bry. And you're, you know, you're dealing with a quarterback that's going to go into everyone a hostile be, deal. I think everyone would be saying Tennessee wins by at sure. least three touchdowns if it were to Neyland. But hey, Bry, the difference between playing these signature games on the road in this league and at home is a huge advantage. Would Tennessee have won last year's game with Alabama in Alabama's building? Probably not. Would they have beaten Florida down in Gainesville last year? It was a pretty close game. I don't know. It certainly helped that it was both those games were in their building last year, I would think. Um, Matt, is Virginia, do they have enough, if Tennessee doesn't have Cooper Mays, do they have enough to kind of frustrate Tennessee or defensively? I know you've studied Virginia a little bit. You're preparing something for the blog for them. What is what is your sense of Virginia, Matt? Are we just going to roll over them? Uh, I, I think Tennessee will handle them comfortably with or without Cooper Mays. I, I do think that their defensive line is probably their best unit as a team. Interesting. And I think they can at least e- expose Tennessee's offensive line weaknesses on film for, for future opponents, and that, that would be a, a worrisome thing. But, I, I mean, they're not going to – that won't – cost Tennessee the game or any that Tennessee will take care of them uh, relatively easily but I do think that their defensive line will will put enough stuff on film that will help opponents uh, to attack our offensive line and and all their weaknesses if you want to get in the hunt and in the mix with us the number is 865-200-5402 if you want to talk some ball we've uh, we've got we went nuts and bolts there and soup the nuts with uh, Ryan Schumpert from uh, RTI, who really, that was a really good conversation. A lot of the things that we covered, John made a really excellent point regarding philosophy in the portal. And, you know, I was trying to remember how the thing happened with the Rhode Island kid. They got involved with the Rhode Island kid last year, the lineman. And then... Matt, didn't we jump off of him before he made a decision? Now, I don't know where we saving face. I don't know. I, I kind of remembered we sort of kicked the tires on him but didn't go all in on him was how I remembered it. Maybe I'm wrong. That, that's what I think. I think that he came in for an official visit in Tennessee after seeing him in person and maybe maybe working him out or, or, or seeing you know, some measurables decided – decided against him yeah that that's what i i unless i'm mixing him up with someone else i think that's what happened with that with that kid yeah we can easily be mixing our mixing our metaphors here as we've been known to do from time to time 865-200-5402 my number again 865-200-5402 hey john i asked you about this before um and i want to i want to introduce this into the deal as well I I get a sense that this thing with Florida State, even though they've hung on, they didn't have a board of trustee meeting, they decided we're going to go and, you know, or, they're runnerish, as we say in baseball. They've got a big lead. 
And they're getting ready to take off. Florida doesn't want them in this league. South Carolina doesn't want Clemson in this league. And, you know, I've thought about it, and all politics are local. And from a Tennessee perspective, John, I'm not sure I want those teams in this league. You know, there's only so much oil in the ground. There's only so many resources. There's only so many players out there. I'm not sure I want Clemson as an equal or a Florida State in this league where I've got to compete for it. Right now, I've got an advantage over them. I can tell them, come play in the best league in America. And I don't know what they add to the league. We already have South Carolina. And we already have Florida. Why not go get four okay programs, go to 20, and let those people fight for themselves? Am I wrong? Well, we just look at it differently. I'm looking to build the strongest conference I can. And I'm adding teams they talk about as strategic expansion, getting getting schools in nearby states. You're not skipping time zones. Uh... You get Florida State and Clemson are very much SEC programs. They just happen to be in the ACC. Sure. State kind of fan base. To me, it will enhance what you already have. And Florida, of course, is a, it just keeps growing in population. You saturate, you got Florida and Florida State. Texas A&M didn't want Texas in the league, but that didn't stop the SEC from adding Texas. You can't. That, you can't think that way. I think you need to build the strongest league you can. But what and about Tennessee, though? It'll make it nearly impossible for us to make a playoff if you do that, no, John. No, no? I don't, see, I don't agree with that. I think you're going to rake straight the schedule. You're going to make what will the ACC look like if those teams leave? Think about that. But you're going to beat your – Matt, you're going to beat yourself into the ground if you add four more power teams, won't you, Matt? If you're us, you know, you're you're definitely gonna gonna make it where ten and two is a great season and definitely in the playoffs. So, and but it will be hard to achieve that. Yeah, with you know adding another, it'd be really game. hard for us, John, to get the ten and two. If you add those teams and throw one of them on our schedule or two of them on but, our schedule, come on now. But, but I'm looking further ahead. I'm looking at where this thing is leading. It's leading to maybe 60 teams in big-time football. Well, take three, four, three conferences. Take four opponents, then. Well, no. What I'm We've got enough. You, what I'm saying is it's going to use an NFL model where you're going to have divisional play, but you've got to, you've got to evaluate strength of schedule in all this. That's what, that's what you do in the NCAA tournament, and you'll go to a 16-team playoff. Jerry Palm said on here a couple days ago, which is kind of an interesting take from him. I think it was Tuesday we had him on. Jerry said that, you know, and he's in the Big Ten footprint. He's a, he, and he makes no bones about this. He's a Purdue guy. He said, I'm going to wake up, or maybe I don't live to see it, but it's going to happen. The, the Big Ten's going to go to Purdue, Illinois, and Indiana, and they're going to say, it was nice knowing you. Get out of our league. You had nothing. And, yeah. and, and you know what? If that's the case, then then Vandy Joe, Pineapple Vandy, Pineapple Joe is going to say, they're going to say to Vanderbilt, get out. 
Do you think that's going to come, John? you think we'll see a day where that happens? I would be surprised if it happens anytime soon. I think teams will just – programs will – the conferences will keep expanding. But, see, when you talk about what do they add, right? I mean, you've got – you're in the Missouri market. You're in the St. Louis. What does Missouri add in anything? I mean – Literally nobody there cares. I mean, literally. So – Invisible. So what I was looking at also with the Big Ten being aggressive – do you want the Big Ten to have Florida State and Clemson? Those teams aren't staying in the ACC. The Big 12 would take them. Imagine the Big 12 or, or the Big Ten got those teams, what that would do for their market, what it would do their, for their overall strength, what that would do for recruiting. I think the SEC needs those two teams. And if it came down to kicking somebody else, kicking out somebody else yeah. and adding those teams, I'd be all for it. To our funds we go. Well, it's going to be interesting because Florida State can say they're staying, John. They're not staying anywhere. And, and, and there's enough money out there now that they're going to buy their way out of something. There's no way those teams stay there until 2037. There's no chance that happens. Zero chance. That, like know, that zero. Like a, that's a lot. And you know Florida State is kicking itself for ever joining the ACC. Oh. It would have been better. Imagine if Florida State would have remained an independent and played this kind of schedule that Bobby Bowden set up where you're playing the best teams from oh. all over the country. Imagine its value now on the free market. And it's not as good as it once was, but it has that potential. You, you, I remember when I was in school, you were advocating when the league grabbed Arkansas and South Carolina, and nobody could figure out what the league was doing when they did that. Because the first two teams they were supposed to grab were Miami and Florida State. Those for the for the kids listening to me, that is an absolute truth. And I'll tell you this: Miami and Florida State would have been akin in today's day and age, in today's parlance. You take the hottest two teams out there in the country, you look at the top five every year, and that was the equivalent of grabbing two top five teams and sticking sticking them in your league. And instead, we all woke up, and they said we're taking Arkansas. And we're taking South Carolina, and we all looked at each other and said, what in the world are they doing? Because that made zero sense then. It makes zero sense now. It made no sense. Well, Arkansas, at least they were, they were at least a, a, like a, uh, a Southwest Conference power. Oh, no question. When, You've got yeah, a great we nugget today on the blog, Brian, about that. You've got but a great South, nugget. But South Carolina, yeah, but South Carolina, I don't I don't think they'd won anything. No, South, South Carolina's South, they never was. They celebrated a bow bit. But it goes back to the Harvey <laughs> Schiller. People forget about Harvey Schiller when he was the SEC commissioner. He's the guy that really started this expansion talk. He had no intention of adding South Carolina and Arkansas. He wanted to add Florida State. Miami, Texas, and somebody else. He, he looked at expanding the league. That's interesting. From the western part of the state, because at that time, the University of Texas was still the school in that state. 
So you're going all the way to the New Mexico border, and then you're expanding all the way to the very bottom, the southeast bottom of the country with Miami. Imagine that league, because Texas, we're going to talk in early 90s now. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. Like, why would South Carolina? All you can say about South Carolina is, well, it's in a, gives you, puts you in a different market. Even back then, why did the SEC go after Clemson instead of South Carolina? I know Clemson wasn't what it is now, but it was better than South Carolina. It had a better football tradition. Really wild. I mean, to stop and think about, we'll go, we'll go to the phones, but what could have been and then what's going to be. I was laughing with a friend of mine last night about what Georgia Tech's got to be thinking right now. They walked away from this league on their own. They said, no, thank you. I don't know what year that happened. John, when was that? Like back in the 60s? That was around 64, 65. I mean, you think, how much money do you think it costs them down through the years from 65 oh. till now? Billions? With a B? Billions? Well, you didn't used to have them. Remember, back then, it was a big deal when the SEC distributed $8 million in uh, yeah. TV revenue. So it's a completely different world now. But you're right. And Tulane. Tulane got out of the SEC. Uh, uh, I, mean, I mean, come I mean, on. It was just, but Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech will never be able to make that up. People say, well, Georgia Tech's right, in the, right there in the heart of Atlanta, but it's overwhelmed by Georgia. If you're a great player in Atlanta, you're, you're going 70 miles down the road and play for Georgia or playing for Alabama or Tennessee. You're not going to Georgia Tech. Back to the phones we go. Uh, Unless you're like, like really the, smart, the fourth biggest school in in Atlanta for recruiting purposes. Yeah, I, mean, I think all, Auburn and Auburn like, recruits it better than Georgia Tech. I mean, everybody goes in there. Yep. Yeah, Georgia Tech's a total afterthought, and they've totally lost their way, which is amazing they're like to me. The Vandy of, yeah, they're like the Vandy of that state. They so. suck in basketball now. Uh, how can you take Georgia Tech basketball and suck in? When when Kremens Kremens had they had that thing going. Let's go back to the phones. I don't get off on that. Hello and welcome into our next call. You are live on our Thursday edition. John Adams in the house, and our Rebel Railroad Redux in our uh, TLD Logistics Extra Time Overtime today. Hello and welcome in. That's got to be Leroy. In five, ten. Nine. We'll come back to him. Hello and welcome into our next call. Hey, Tony. Yo, yo. Welcome in. Uh, now I don't know about Clemson, but we have got to get Florida State in the SEC. No. Yeah, and it's complicated, Tony. It's complicated. You're like you're dating a woman that likes them or something. What's complicated? Well, you got to sharpen your pencils. And follow me on this one. All right, Farmer Charlie, here we go. The reason it's so important we get Florida State and SEC is because whenever that savage gets on the horse and rides the midfield and rears up and chucks that spear at the 50-yard line, that's one of the coolest things in college football. You're right, it is. It is cool. They have a – and their colors are awesome. 
And like John said, Bobby Bowden took their deal, and they had an all-comers mentality for like 25 years. They joined the ACC, and it killed their program is what happened. If they would have stayed independent, they would still be right there at the top of the deal. I, I'm convinced of that. That, that. that really inhibited them when they joined the ACC. Well, and, and I tell you what, as far as Florida not wanting them and South Carolina not wanting Clemson, uh, to me, that's irrelevant. I, uh, what would the SEC be without Auburn and Alabama? You know what I mean? That, that, this, uh, I'll tell you what drives me crazy about college football yep. is these Nebraska, you know, going to Rutgers. I mean, that's, I think we need to stay local and, uh, yep. or in the same area. And I think Florida State's, they just seem like SEC school to me. And, and you're right. Our, you know, it's going to be hard. It's going to, you're going to be like an NFL team. You know, you're, you're going to carry some losses no matter how good you are. But, uh, if it's going to go to a playoff, I mean, what happens in playoffs? You know what I mean? How many teams make your uh, Major League Baseball playoff time? If it, if whenever they expand that to the top 25, uh, it doesn't matter that you've lost three, three games because you no. played a gauntlet. And Matt's right about one thing. This is the last year that your regular season, those games have all that weighted consequence on them. Now, they're still going to matter, but now in this league, you're going to get a couple of mulligans. You know, if you're in Alabama or a Georgia, not so much us, but when you're in Alabama or a Georgia, you're going to get a couple mulligans. You just are. The other reality, though, is in this Super League, I can't imagine what it's going to be like, and I wrote about this today, being an Oklahoma fan for the next 10 years. Because they've had life so good, John, and they think it's their reality. And, you know, in their minds, they think they're going to come into this league and they're going to dominate this league like they've dominated all these. They are are getting ready to get lapped in this league if they're not careful, John. That's what's going to happen to Oklahoma. Well, but I think think Oklahoma will make a quick quick fix. Excuse me. I think you will realize maybe that Brent Venables will not lead it to the promised land, and Oklahoma's impatient with losing coaches. I think Oklahoma will be very good in this league, but it's got to have a different coach. And I feel the same way about Texas. Texas and yep, Steve Texas Sarkeesian. Texas is interesting. Texas coming in here with Steve Sarkeesian. Good luck with that. I mean, where would you write if you start lit writing the coaches in the SEC? Where would you have Steve Sarkeesian? Charlie, would you take Florida State and Clemson? Because you're giving those teams a hand up. If you do that, you're inviting them to your party. Why would I invite them to my party? Because they have a guy that rides a horse and, and with, a, uh, with, a, with a spear that's on fire? Is that my reason, Charlie? I mean, I know you're, you're into the agricultural end of things, but you could reenact that on your farm. Well, Tony, uh, this thing is going to an NFL model. Yes. You know, and and I I want Southern college football is what I want. What the big, the 
the Big Ten. The Big whatever, yeah. I think if they, what have they added to their conference? They've added all these teams, all this traveling, and what have they got? They've, it's a mess. They've got a, a USC. they got USC, okay? That's what they got. How about Rutgers going to Washington? Get in an well, airplane and fly from uh, up there in New York, out of LaGuardia, where they'll fly from, or Piscataway, New Jersey, or wherever that is, and go all the way to Washington. That's got to be a six-and-a-half-hour plane on a, flight. On a, tu- on a Tuesday for women's basketball. I mean, what in the hell are we doing? Well, what happens whenever Lincoln Riley goes to NFL? What's the Big Ten added? I mean, if we're if it's going to expand, I'd like to expand. I'd like to get the best teams out out of the South. Not me. I'd like to make the playoffs every once in a while. Well, I'm thinking selfishly, well, Charlie. I mean, Charlie, you didn't really think about what you're saying now. You want to add Florida State and Clemson to this thing? How many years out of ten years are we going to make the playoffs if you do that? But, Tony, look at it this Tony. way. What has Florida State done without Bobby Bowden? Well, it won a championship with Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. But since 2013, what in ten years, what's Florida State done? John, put them in this league, and they're cooking with gas. You know that. Come on. Well, I know. I know. They always recruit well. Uh, even even when they're not at the top of their game, not the ACC. I, I guess, yeah. I guess my point is, I want to see the best teams, and I want to see really good games, really competitive. That's why games. I want to add Duke and Virginia oh, and geez. Virginia Tech come and on. North Carolina. Oh, that's my on. four. Give Virginia yeah, Tech a lifeline. Yeah. Where they can set up Tony there. wants Swanee back in the league, John. Be mediocre. <laughs> no, I'm serious, guys. But we no, have I enough. Go, I want to go to a stadium and know, uh, or, or watch on TV and know I'm going to see a might well, see a great game. North Carolina has incredible how about looking the, football how about uniforms. Tulane? How about Tulane, John? I love, no, I love Tulane. North Carolina <laughs> has is, incredible this is uniforms. This an aberration. That's, that's not I sustainable. I can North Carolina. Game. North Carolina's a Vanderbilt fan base that's actually won something. I can't stand them. Charlie, you're my man. I love you. Hey, Tony, yes, sir. How many how many years before the college playoff expands? Well, they got a problem right now because they've got twelve. And they've got in their bylaws at six conferences, six conference champions next season. You got four major conferences. Where are they? What are they going to put the Ivy champion in, John? What are we going to do? Like Dartmouth? I mean, what are no, we doing? That, that has to. That has to open up to more at large teams. They're saying you, they're not going to open it up. They want to see how it goes. They said the the presidents have to make that change, John. And they're saying they want to see, see how it goes. Well, the Pac-12 is going, going, gone. It's right? it's history. So you're down to five conferences. Are you going to give them out west an automatic bid? Maybe. They're saying They're six automatic bids, them. plus one, plus one wild card. Year, um, what is it, Matt? I was telling Charles, I think it, it starts next year, right? Yeah, 2024. That's yeah. right. But, yeah, they have to they have to readjust. Six plus one and five wild cards is what we're at right now. So, when it, Whenever they expand the playoffs, your losses doesn't matter as much. And they're going to expand that playoff because that's going to that's going to generate more revenue. Charlie, yeah, I mean, 
College basketball. Charlie. Yeah. We have to recruit this region. I don't want Clemson in our league. We've got to win recruiting battles over there to, to sustain this thing. We've got to be good in the Carolinas, man. We beat the brakes off of them in the Orange Bowl. That does more for recruiting than being scared of them. Charlie, if you put them in this league, you, if you put them in this league, you elevate them. And John knows that. You put them in the league, you elevate them. Yeah, but this is a program that's already won two national championships recently. I mean, it's already elevated. Yeah, but they... see, now here, here's the thing, Tony. It's winning in the ACC. It's reaching these lofty heights and making the playoffs in the ACC. When in the SEC, it's not going to be able to do the same thing. Put them in this league and legitimize them, guys. I'm just saying. They got beat by South Carolina and then got beat they by. They need to legitimize. What a powerhouse! Yeah. I think they're already there. So is Florida State, despite that it's been down recently. I mean, Florida State had a run that that Texas didn't have. Those two Texas schools, Texas, Texas, they're they're perfect for me because they look great on paper, and they're never going to beat anybody. They're they're how mu- they're how, perfect. How much did how much did we elevate <laughs> Texas A and M, a Texas school with Texas money, with Texas recruits? And they're going to join the SEC and become a powerhouse. That Johnny, they had Johnny Manziel and fell on their face. That Johnny Manziel documentary, it's out there, is insane. Awesome. It's awesome. I appreciate you. Thank you. And Johnny is being an open door, and he's telling his story. And wow, I mean, the things he was going through when he played. Whew. What an amazing player, though. If oh you go gosh. back and look at some of his games, Nick Saban never wanted to play against him, I'll tell you that. I had a magic wand in his hand. He could do anything he wanted on a college football field. He didn't even prepare himself. He just went out and did it. Let's get our next call in. Hello and welcome in. You're you're live on our Thursday edition. Hi. Hello, Lucky Luciano. You were the one that called me Jeffrey Dahmer the other day, so I figured I figured I'd back by calling you Lucky Luciano. That's kind of an Italian slur. What I said, Bill, is is that you're a serial caller, and to check your refrigerator, you might have some figurative (laughs) heads in it. I didn't say literal heads. I said figurative heads. Oh, if there's anybody you should compare to, uh, to Jeffrey Dahmer... It's the cattleman. Oh, no question. A.K.A. Small Mike, A.K.A. Uh, the Tennessee Pessimist, and A.K.A. Ogre. He's more of a Jeffrey Dahmer, not me, Tony. Hey, hey Tiny Adams. Bill. Titans Bill. Yeah. I mean, we really got to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer. You got to bring more to the table than that. That's just not a... That's not a good topic for the uh, sports talk well, show. Well, you know, I'm just getting back at Tony for what he did to me. Well, Tides Bill, you don't need to get down to Tony's level. Why don't you take the high road? I'm going to. All right. Okay, you well, know, let's, last. Let's, all right. Well, let me explain to you what happened last Thursday, Tony. I told Sean I, Adams. 
you have this habit of torpedoing me. You know, if I want to discuss, of course, I'm I'm happy about Traylon Burks. It's the injury isn't serious. I don't uh, believe he'll play still, this coming Excuse Saturday. me, I, I apologize for interrupting, but Tony's not listening to you right now. He had to take a restroom break, and he will return. So you might want to save that. Is there any something else you can talk about? Uh, well, well, uh, now let's let's see here. Um, I'm just very happy about you know. Um, well, yesterday, last night, I saw a pretty good baseball game over there at Smokey's Park. Had a pretty good supper because they had, you know, all-you-can-eat night, hot dogs and burgers and stuff. And the one thing about it, John, the weather was magnificent, cool. You, you couldn't get a better night for baseball. It's really one of our first cool nights. It's starting to feel like football season outside. It really is. That was a... Uh, you picked a perfect night. What did you eat for "quote unquote" supper? I had a couple of hot dogs, and I I created me a double cheeseburger. I just put some of that cheese whiz over the bur- over the over the the hamburger pa- couple of the hamburger patties I had. Plus, I added a tomato, and of course it. It was between a bun. Brian, hey, Bill, you're, you're saying you ate two hot dogs and a hamburger? No, he ate, it's a game. He ate two hamburgers and two hot dogs. Two hot Yeah. Really? So I, I guess you're not a vegetarian. Is what we're vegetarian? No, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, not a, I'm not a vegetarian. He ate a meal Roger would have been proud of. What's up, Tyson? Titans Bill, if you could have any meal you wanted, what would it be? What would be your Titans Bill top of the line best meal of all time? So what would it be? Too. Well, I would say number one, it would probably be it would probably be a burger. Number two, steak. Number three, pizza. And number four, a delicious brisket sandwich. Well, it's that's heart heart healthy, that's for sure. Bill, you've been um, you've been kind of random from start to finish here. What did you start off the call by calling me? Uh, Lucky Luciano. Do Do you realize that sounds like kind of an ethnic slur toward me? <laughs> well, you did. Well, you well. I'm just getting you back for what you did to me. Don't get mad. Get even. That's what I'm doing, getting even. All right, that's what I'm going to do. 865-200-5402. I'm not mad at you, Bill, but we're even. Come back on the other side. What a clown. I mean, dude, if you're going to call the show and do all that, put some makeup on and some red rouge and your nose. and So we continue with more right after this. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. 
Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, this is Steve, the Garbage Man. Y'all have heard me talk in the past about Packer, our mascot dog. Well, I have some sad news about Packer. She recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge to join our other beloved pets of the past. Packer lived out her final days on our farm in Water Valley. She had a great 14 years of life after being rescued by Don from being thrown away as a pup in someone's garbage. Rest in peace, Packer. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, MimsModernLandscape.com. That's MimsModernLandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. 
Tint on Wheels is changing their Columbia location. You can now visit us at 406 South James Campbell Boulevard, the same window tinting you've trusted for over 30 years on all types of windows, car, business, or residential. We now offer accessories to elevate your ride. It's only getting bigger and better. With three locations, Columbia, Lewisburg, and Lawrenceburg, we do our best for you. Summer's coming. Let's get you ready. Call 931-619-TINT today. The Kiwanis Club and Columbia Main Street are partnering to create the best event of the season, the annual Kiwanis Chili Cook-Off and the new Main Street event, Fall Fest on the Square. This will be held September 30th, 3 to 7 p.m., downtown Columbia. There will be music, food trucks, vendors, and entertainment by the renowned Journey Band, Majestic. For more information, visit the Kiwanis of Columbia Facebook page and click the Events tab or go to www.visitcolumbia.com. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. TB back with you, 865-200-5402 as we welcome you back on the one and only. We're heading for um, a, a really entertaining TLD Logistics Overdrive Overtime. So that will occur. Parkware wants to speak through the magic of Twitter spaces. That will happen. But let's get one more call in here. Hello and welcome in on a Thursday. You're live on your Basilio show. Hi. Hey, this is Tennessee Wolf. How you doing? Hey, Wolfie, welcome in, brother. Always good to talk to you. Glad to talk to you guys. I tell you what, um, you all were talking earlier about Florida. And um, should is it is it really... You know, that big of a deal, we're making a big deal out of it. Just a second. I'll be right back with you. Um, anyway, though, um, anyway, though, the thing is, is if this were any other team, I'd say we just, with the team that they have, we'd blow them out. There'd be no issue with it. However, yep. it's the history and the mental edge that, they, that they've had over us through the years. That's the thing that we're going to have to overcome. Is it because if, if it gets real tight in the swamp again, and um, as, as usual, we've seen it several times, including with Butch Jones, whoever's been coaching, even mm-hmm. though we know Hypo's no Butch Jones, mm-hmm. still at the end, they somehow find a way to pull it out. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be the big thing that we're going to have to face down there. Now, if we jump on them, get on them real quick, it won't be no contest. We'll blow them out of the building. 20 years of fun and games, Woof, is what you're talking about. Adam's point is is that if you take the name off the uniform, you're not afraid of them. But the thing about college football is the name and that jersey matters. It's just it, it, it's what makes it different than professional sports. It matters. History matters in these deals. Something about that blue and orange. That yep. Every time we get around that, that color, here we fold. Yep. Look at, but, look uh, at Kentucky. Kentucky kind of has a little ownership over Florida right now. Kentucky cannot beat Tennessee unless you throw Gitmo out there and give him the ball three times like we did. It's weird. See, that's it's the just same the way they're, the game they're, is. They're facing the same thing. Yep. But you all were talking, too, about um, teams coming in. Um, there's no doubt in my mind we're going to 20. I mean, it's coming. And oh, yeah. It's just dependent on who they're going to get. I don't and want Florida don't State. We want in Florida State. You got it. We don't want them. But you know what? It's inevitable. Those two are money makers, and that's what it's all about. And they're probably going to be coming in. 
I'm just not sure what they add. Money. What What do those two schools add? You're already in South Carolina. You're already in uh, at Florida. What do those two schools add? But Tony, well, you increase you you increase your your value in that state, and it's one of the maybe the fastest growing state. I just wow, that is true. I mean, I there's some teams in this league I'd rather kick out and have uh, Central Florida in here. Well, I'd love to see. I you love in this that. League, I'm for you know, that. Lately, I would. I'm for Central Florida. I would do that. Why you would get you? You talk about you don't want to lend somebody a helping hand. You'd be lending UCF a helping hand. Well, they they'll be mediocre. I'd love to have them. No, they won't be mediocre. Virginia Tech. Let's give Virginia Tech a helping hand. Let's give them a help. Let's give Virginia a helping hand. I want schools you can beat on. Yeah, we don't want Miami either because no. with um, with their base they got down there. No, you don't want them in this league because that that's that you talk about a team on steroids at that point. Yep. My goodness, because those are teams you don't want. You know how much fun the, the last thirty years. You know how much fun the last. They're all kidding aside. If they would have done that Florida State Miami deal back in '92 instead of the two teams they added, how much fun would this league have been for the last thirty years, John? Can you That's imagine? What I'm talking about. Can you imagine how much fun that would have been? How many big games this league would have had? Oh my gosh! And see, Florida was playing those teams anyway. Now, my takeaway is, from a Tennessee perspective, we got enough teams in this league right now. That's enough. That's all. I want to make playoffs. And Wolfie agrees. Wolfie, you agree, don't you? Wolfie, Wolfie agrees with me, right, Wolfie? Oh, I tell you what, if you get these teams in here, whoo, it is going to be tough for everybody, except for, of course, Alabama and Georgia. Right. But for everybody else, it's going to be really hard to get in that playoff with it, with a league like that. This is going to be, you know, you talk about a powerhouse. This one right here, powerhouse on steroids. That's, that's why, the best way to put it. That's why I'm in the Wolf Pack, and I appreciate your call. Thank you. It's great to be in the Wolf Pack today with the TN Wolf, and give my regards to the great Bud Wolf. Let's go back to the phones. Actually, How about gonna, NC State in the conference, Tom? I'd love NC Wolf State pack. in the conference. Give me somebody that just is kind of mediocre and just sort of there. I was really leaning toward Duke. Let's get Parker in here. Parker, welcome in. Hey, Tony. How are you? Doing great. Thank you. So I haven't seen this much white flag waving since Bono waved the white flag at Red Rocks in 1982. Uh, Sunday, Bloody Sunday, one of the great rock videos of all time from that historic concert. Yeah, well, you've passed him. I mean, here, here's the thing. You can't sit there and say and complain about playing the likes of Austin P and UConn and then say you want to bring in Duke and two, Virginia Tech two different and all these places. Two different conversations. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It's the exact same. It's no, it's absolutely just a different league. No, talking about uh, pseudo uh, games that are fake football games, which is what those one AA SEC thing. John, you'll give me that's that's a that's two different. That's that's fish and apples is what we're talking about here, right, John? Yeah, you're. Yeah, it's it's a different conversation. However, he's making a a valid point. You're basically you're running scared. You're running scared when you're talking about expansion. 
No. I just, you have enough. You're adding Oklahoma and Texas with already the best league in the world. Why do I need Florida State? Why do I need, why do I need to validate those teams? Let them fight for themselves. Tony, when you look at college football fans across the country. Yes. You talk, you don't talk about TV markets. Right. But there are college football fans all over the country. And when, on, on Saturday, what games do they want to watch? Other than the team for which they pull, what games do they want to watch? They want to watch the very best teams. Right. They would want to watch the SEC. Right. You'd make a, a really good league even better by adding Florida State and Clemson. I just don't. I mean, think about the Par- market value of that nationally. Parker, you don't want to do that. You don't want to lift those teams up, do you? You agree with me. Well, why do you assume that you're, you're talking about Texas and Oklahoma coming in here into the SEC, and they're going to get a taste of what real football is like? And that they're not going to. So, what makes you think if those guys can't get lifted up, that Florida State and Clemson will get lifted but up? But we need to recruit the Carolinas, and our edge right now is you can come play in the Southeastern Conference through us, and that's always been a lifeblood of this program. I'm just. But, but I'm just looking at it here, guys. State are recruiting well anyway. John, if you put them in this league, they're cooking with gas. You're, that's an assumption. No Huge assumption. No, it's the truth. Right now, I can say to a recruit, "Go play in that league. It'd be fun for you. you." Every couple, every couple of months, you'd have a decent game that would challenge you. Or you come play over here where we're the closest thing to the NFL. It's a totally valid conversation. It's a totally valid no. point. And I'm not waving a white flag. I'm not saying let's leave this league and go play in the ACC. Come on, Parker. That's well, not you're fair. saying you don't want to have the best teams in the league that we could get. I'm Listen, saying enough Here's enough. the deal. Here's, and this is the truth. You want to talk about giving a hand up? Uh, Central Florida really could get a hand up. That is one of the biggest co- uh, universities in the country Absolutely. as far as population. Absolutely. And do you think that eventually one day that booster base won't or could rival or, ex- or pass Tennessee? No. Yeah. No. Absolutely it could. No. You're talking about 100 plus years. They just got there. Come on, man. It, it takes one. Years, it takes it takes years, two guys to make program. a billion bucks each. Oh, Parker, come on! To change the change the narrative, Parker, it does, Parker, and you know that. I do just not. Because, no, just I, because they don't have it now doesn't mean they're not going to have it in the future. Parker, much love. That's, I love your passion. You're wrong, and I appreciate you, but you're wrong about me, and you're wrong about that. But I love you. We're out of time. Rebel Railroad Revisited, a special, is about to uh, hit you where it split you. John Adams presented by our friends at Seniors Helping Seniors Online, SeniorsHelpingSeniors.com. Incredible organization. If you've got a senior in your life needs some help with the cares of daily living, they are wonderful. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. 
celebrate you with a new vehicle from Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. We have a huge selection of new vehicles waiting for you. We're talking cars, trucks, and SUVs. And if you're in the business of selling your vehicle, we've got you covered. We'll buy from you even if you don't buy from us. At Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia, we're locally owned and operated and proud to serve our community as the largest CDJR dealership in Tennessee. Find your new ride today when you visit Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day -day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. This is Mark Curry at the Trailer Store. We are a local, family-owned business. Every day, I work with my wife, Susie, my mother, Becky, and my son, Justin. We offer a full line of lawnmower trailers, utility trailers, stock trailers, and a full line of trailer parts. We also offer service. Come see us at 1021 New Lewisburg Highway. Call us at 931-381-2795. That's 931-381-2795. Hey, this is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Spring is here and we are ready. We carry a full line of steel, echo, and Chindawa yard equipment. We also have a great selection of grass seed, fertilizer, and garden supplies. With the most knowledgeable sales staff in Southern Middle Tennessee, come check us out at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard, Columbia, Tennessee. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. 
I am Jack Blackstone. And I'm Emery Blackstone. Together, we are Greenway Tech Repair. Tired of slow computers, cracked phone screens, and fancy home electronics you don't know how to use? We can help. We provide local on-site services as well as remote troubleshooting for any job, no matter how large or small, from computers and laptops to mobile devices and home electronics. We Blackstone Brothers are eager to serve our community. Find us on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. That's on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. Life gets busy and sometimes slowing down to buy your family quality food can seem impossible. This is Terry Taylor with Taylor Family Farm and we offer local home delivery in addition to our local drop locations to help with that problem. Now you can get your favorite pastured poultry, pork, and grass-fed beef delivered right to your door. Visit TaylorFamilyFarmTN.com to find out how. We believe in healthy food, healthy people, and healthy community at Taylor Family Farm. Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee.